Divine Shepherd Lutheran Church and School in Blackhawk, South Dakota, is happy to share God's Word preached for you by Pastor Randy Sturzenbecker. We pray that you will rejoice in Christ crucified and resurrected for you. The waters of baptism, the Lord's Supper, and the forgiveness of sins, all for you, from Jesus. The Old Testament reading for the ninth Sunday after Trinity is from 2 Samuel, chapter 22. With the merciful, you shall show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you deal purely. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. You save a humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. And by my God, I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? This God is my strong refuge and has made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to look in your uh, bulletin for the catechetical review. <clears throat> the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer. And lead us not into temptation. What does this mean? God tempts no one. We pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief despair, and other great shame and vice. Although we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win victory. The seventh petition of Lord's Prayer. But deliver us from evil. What does this mean? We pray in this petition in this memory that our Father in heaven would rescue us from every body and soul and reputation, and finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessing and graciously take us from the sky of sorrow to himself in heaven. The epistle is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them in this example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overcome you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. This is the word of the Lord. We sing together the gospel, hallelujah.
The Holy Gospel for the ninth Sunday of Trinity from the Gospel of St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Jesus also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the, the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from the management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. This is the gospel of our Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for your promises to us. We thank you that you are always faithful to us. Strengthen us now in the promise of your word, in your law and gospel spoken to us, that we may live in your peace. In the name of Jesus, amen. It's quite a number of years ago now that I was introduced to one of our shut-ins. He was in the nursing home by the time I got to know him and he was quite a character. His bed was fashioned in his room so he could see who was coming down the hall. And as I would go to his room, he would act like he was sleeping. He would roll away. He'd even snore when I went in to try and sell whatever he was giving out. And I would say, wake up, let's talk. And he would just lay there. And then about the time I was going to give up and I was going to walk out, he would say, pastor, stay. Let's talk. He loved to reminisce. He loved the stories of his life. So every time I visited, he would take me down a different chapter of his life and tell me stories. And believe me, he had stories. And as I visited with him and he would tell these stories to me, I would always take the opportunity to help him look at that and see how God was faithful to him. Even sometimes when he wasn't faithful. And he would see it. He could see it. He maybe didn't see it at the time. But he could see it now as he looks back and he sees what God is doing in his life. He realized, just like we realize, God is faithful. Always. The Old Testament reading for today is something like that. It's a snippet of King David's life. He's looking back. He's seeing that God is always faithful. King David, by the time he, he writes this, is an old man. He's not going into battle anymore. His troops go out with him at his guidance. They've just won a great victory. 
Four men from Gath have been defeated. And these are giants. These were the Philistines. And one of them had six fingers on each hand. And this is not the six-fingered man from the princess bride, by the way. David has a history with one of these men. When David was just a shepherd boy, he killed one of these men's brother named Goliath with a stone. David's men, directed by King David, went out and empowered by God the Father's promise to protect his people. They killed these four enemies. And the Old Testament lesson for today is David's song of deliverance from this great event. Listen to David as he not only gives thanks to God for delivering them from the enemies, but looking back and seeing that God is always faithful. David writes, With the merciful you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man you show yourself blameless. With the purified you deal purely. King David can look back and he can see God's mercy in all of the aspects of his life. He can see God's mercy especially when he looks at his own life. Delivered from committing adultery with Bathsheba. He can clearly see how God protected him when his own son Absalom lied to him and tried to steal the kingdom away from him. He sees that God's pure love for Israel always protects them. Battle after battle, when they were outnumbered, they were rescued because they were trusting in God's promises trusting that God is always faithful. But when we read this little snippet from David, we struggle with the next couple of lines. What about this when David writes, and with the crooked you make yourself seem torturous. And about this line, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. Is that a faithful and a loving God? doesn't look like it, especially if you're the one that God seems to be being torturous to. I had a conversation with a young man a few weeks ago that had a troubled conscience. He was struggling with God. He seemed to believe that God was asking him to do something that was totally unacceptable to him in the way that he should live. He knew what he was doing was wrong. He knew what God's word said. But because he loved his sin, he didn't want to change. He wanted someone to tell him something that would ease his conscience. He was church shopping. He wanted a church that would say, what you're doing is okay. Or we're really not that concerned about it. But that still didn't ease his conscience because he still knew what God's word said. Even if the church was okay with it. He knew what he was doing was not what God wanted him to do. He was hoping that something would ease his burdened conscience. And it didn't work. He couldn't find that peace that he was looking for. As I talked to him, it was clear his conscience was being tortured by the law of God. You can run from God. You can run from his law. You can convince yourself you're okay My feelings, my emotions, my position in life is more important than anything that God says. You can stick your head in your sand and not listen to it and stay out of church and stay away from God's gifts. 
You can justify your behavior all you want, but you can't run from your death. Your death and my death is coming. And someday, unless Christ comes first, it will greet you. And if you are still justifying your sin, if you are still running away, trying to continue to live the way you want instead of where Christ calls us, there will be judgment at your death. Eternal judgment, separating you from all that is good and all that is hopeful and peaceful. Our Savior doesn't want that. God doesn't want you to have a troubled conscience, but he uses the law to trouble your conscience so that you'll repent and hear the promises that God has for you. Hear the hope and the peace that he offers to you. That's why God's word seeks to break us with his perfect law. And that's never pleasant, it's never fe- it doesn't ever feel good, but it has a very specific purpose, to rescue you from the death that would be yours, separated from Christ. That's why when proud and arrogant King David slept with another man's wife and then killed her husband and tried to cover the whole thing up, God sent the prophet Nathan to stand toe-to-toe with David, nose-to-nose, to take his finger, point it in David's chest, and say, David, you're the man, confronting him with the law, confronting him with his sin, so there was no escape, so that David would be saved, so that he would repent. A troubled and a torturous conscience struggling with the law of God is one of the ways that God shows his, un, his unending, enduring love to you. It might not look like it at the time, but God uses his law for a very specific purpose, to bring you to repentance so that he might give you his peace. David is the perfect example. He's broken by his sin, broken by Nathan in front of him, confronting him, and David then writes this in Psalm 51. For I know my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you might be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offerings." The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Right there in Psalm 51, you can see David looking back and clearly seeing that God is faithful, even in the midst of him being tortured by God's law. God is always faithful. He always keeps his promises to us. I know that if you look back in your lives, you will see the faithfulness of God in all of those very difficult situations in your life. Faithfully protecting, faithfully guiding, faithfully providing for all of your needs of daily bread. God is faithful, and he faithfully forgives us for all of the times when we were less than faithful. He forgives us because of his great love for us and he uses the strength of the law so that we might see our sin and then see clearly how much he loves you. 
right here. Jesus on the cross taking the place of your unfaithfulness so God may restore you and not lose you to your own sin and struggles. When David looked back at his life, he could clearly see his own faults. But even more clearly, he could see the great love of God and how God had protected Israel and how God had continued to protect him, even by calling him to repentance. At the very end of David's life, he writes this, This God is my strong refuge and has made my way blameless. And we can say the same. This God, this Son of God, come into the world for you. Jesus, the only begotten Son of the Father, is the one that hung on the cross for your unfaithfulness. Jesus is the one who took the punishment for your sin. Jesus is the one who gave his holiness to you and took your sin so that now when God looks upon you, he sees you being faithful to him as well. He sees you covered in the white robe of Christ's righteousness. He sees you depending on God to use his law to break us and then to use that wonderful gospel so that our conscience is eased. And we know that we are at peace with God, not because what I've done or not done, but because of what Jesus has done. This God, this Jesus is my strong refuge, our strong refuge, and he alone has made our way blameless. God is, well, let's try again. God is always. In the name of Jesus, amen. And now may the peace that passes all our heart and understanding guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you.